Thank you for joining me for this episode of God Talk. And just finished a three-part series on Christian cults. And I think I'm going to spend the next two or three weeks on uh, some quotes from Dietrich Bonhoeffer and kind of uh, talk about Christian ethics. My Wednesday night Bible class, uh, we had been taking a look at... Um, uh, similarities between Nazi Germany and uh, things that are going on even in our country in the United States. And uh, as part of that, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was one of the people that uh, really fought a, a lot of the um, the evils that were going on in his day in Nazi Germany. Well, uh, I, I was struck by, uh, just in my research of him, um, he, he wrote a book on ethics, and they're not your normal ethics, and, and I think they're interesting and, and worth uh, having some conversations about. So over the next uh, few weeks, not sure how long, uh, but I've kind of gone through uh, some of his more famous quotes uh, and interesting ones, and I'm, we'll just see how long this uh, takes. Uh, but today, specifically, I want to cover uh, two of his quotes. And I apologize, they're a little bit longer quotes, but stay with me as I try to read them, and then we'll talk about them a little bit. Uh, because he talks in his day about how the West was slipping into nothingness. And I, and I thought that was kind of interesting and profound because I wouldn't have thought that in his day um, it, that would have been the case. It's certainly the case now, and, and that's why I want to read this quote to you, um, that, that we are just totally slipping into nothingness. But uh, back uh, almost uh, 100 years ago, uh, 80 years ago at least, um, you know, that, that, what was his perspective as well. Um, and then, uh, I think we'll have time for a second quote and, uh, it's, it's him talking about that the world isn't divided between Christ and the devil. And I want to spend a little time talking about that as well. Uh, cause I think both of these go together and, uh, and, and I think, uh, uh that there'll be a lot of a uh, unity between what we say in one and what we can see in, a, in the other. So let's start with this concept of the West sliding into nothingness. Uh, let me read you the quote. Once again, it's, it's, it's probably five, six sentences. It's not horrible, but just stick with me. He says, This nothingness into which the West is sliding is not the natural end, the dying, the sinking of a flourishing community of peoples. Instead, it is, again, a specifically Western nothingness. A nothingness that is rebellious, violent, anti-God, and anti-human. Breaking away from all that is established, it is the utmost manifestation of all the force opposed to God. It is nothingness as God. No one knows its goal, or its measure, its rule is absolute. It is a creative nothingness that blows its anti-God breath into all that exists, creates the illusion of waking into a new life, and at the same time sucks out its true essence until it soon disintegrates into an empty husk and is discarded. Life History, family, people, language, faith, the list could go on forever because nothingness spares nothing. All fall victim to nothingness. I, I, I hope you're able to kind of soak that in as I read it. I, I, 
I, I love how it talks about that nothingness is it's an anti-God breath and it creates an illusion of waking into a new life. And that is where we live today. We're creating nothingness by moving away from everything that that was. And we think we're going into this new life. But what it's actually doing is it's sucking out the essence of life until he says it's until it sucks out everything you're only left with an empty husk of life of history of family of people of language of faith he says nothingness spares nothing i would argue we are in a time i mean he was obviously he saw it but we've continued in the west this march to nothingness i think this desire to maybe have something new by throwing out all that had meaning in the search of new because we're bored i guess i don't know but we've we've traded you know the old for new and and the new is nothing and, and when we look at like the suicides in in today's world i mean higher than ever before why because i i think life has become so shallow it's it's become it's just there's nothing to it and and i think like a big part of our problem is 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 like we're losing our our purpose i mean we have our purpose spiritually speaking that is you know who i am as a child of god but god created adam and eve and what what what's the first thing he told him in the garden of eden he he, he tells him to work it so our purpose is defined in who we are as God's children, but it's then like that which we do, that which we work, that that when you've done something, you can go back and say, it is good. Just like when God created it, at the end of each day, you can look back and say, it is good. When, when you vacuum your carpet, you can go back and say, it is good. When you paint your walls, you can go back and say, man, that is good. When you do your job every day, uh, you you close the sale. You, you 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 somehow you know save the company by something that you've done. You can go back and say, "Man, that is good," and that is how God created us to be. That that's that's the Garden of Eden. Who once again, the the very one of the very first things God says to man is just work the garden. But in the West, we've replaced our jobs with you know they're no longer like physical that we can go back and say wow look look at what i did most jobs a lot of jobs are just now like organizational they're mental they're structural and, and, and it's not as easy to look back and say wow look what i've done wow this is great you know we've got people that that mow our yards for us we don't even do that anymore we can't even take the pleasure in that we, we take our clothes to the dry cleaners and so pe people do that we can't take pleasure in that we have people come into our homes and, and clean our homes and we can't take pleasure in that what do we have to be able to look back and say wow look what i did today and man i did good and so we're, we're replacing something for nothing, which then gets us into this whole field of artificial intelligence. And, and now you got this chatbot stuff and you got these computers that can write papers for you and probably write them better than, than you wrote them. Uh, you know, pretty soon, you know, maybe the cars will actually be able to drive better than we're able to drive them. 
you have like planes that can fly themselves. You know, maybe soon computers that can be the doctors. Maybe even be the pastors. <laughs> a pastor without a soul, I don't know. Well, I guess there's probably a few of those already, right? So what I'm saying is like, we went from like, you would go out and you'd farm in the field and, and, and you'd plant, you know, and you'd harvest and you'd look back and across your fields and, and you just, wow, look what I've done. And, and we've replaced that with mental jobs in which we can't appreciate that. But even in our homes, and, and what do we do anymore? And, and, and so we, we have this move to nothingness in the West. But it's not just a nothingness of, of like career, but that's significant because once again, you got to go back to the Garden of Eden. It's the relationship with God that, that gives a purpose of who we are created in the image of God. And it's the work he gives us to do. And we've moved away from work. But we have nothingness in religion now. We've, we've also watered down the Bible that what is religion? It's honestly, churches are just kind of like these these large golf clubs, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, back in the 1800s, early 1900s, there were all these social clubs. I'm thinking like even like the American Legion, uh, which, uh, you know, my dad, when he was still alive, was always very involved in a, a bunch of people who don't really have like much of a life. They just go and hang out with one another and tell war stories. That's really what religions become because we've stripped the, the faith out of it. We've stripped God's word as teaching and, and what it means to be a disciple of Christ and follower of Christ and, 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 and to live out our faith, to boldly be the lights of, of, of God in our community. That's all gone. And so we have a bunch of nothingness and I haven't even really gotten into like uh, the political nothingness that we're doing, you know, like throwing away all the standards of, of man, woman, gender, and all the, I mean, we're turning that into a whole bunch of nothingness. So, okay, we've got nothingness in, in work anymore. Largely, we're moving in that direction. We've got nothingness in religion. Uh, we've, we've turned like ideology and politics and all those things into a pile of nothingness. And to Dietrich's point, like the list can go on forever because nothingness spares nothing. And I tell you what, if you want to ask me what's a definition of hell, it's nothing. I hate sitting around. I hate having nothing to do. But there, that's the way the world's becoming. Like there's nothing of meaning to do. We're stripping the meaning out of life. And like we've removed work from from our lives and we're left with a bunch of nothing. And what's interesting is, okay, if we go back to the Genesis story, God creates out of nothingness. You see, nothingness was not good. <laughs> he would have left it as nothing. But out of that nothingness, God said, let there be. 
and he called forth on each of those days and on each of those days you know what he said at the end of the day whether he was creating it into existence or just simply organizing it and separating things and so forth at the end of each day he finished it by saying it is good and so as we try to move back to nothingness it's the opposite of creation god creates we're going back to nothing we're we're disintegrating and we're when god creates it it is good nothingness is this is bad but that is the road that we're marching on and we wonder why there's record numbers of people that are depressed in this world and suicides are skyrocketing because when you go against creation and when you move back to the imperfect from the perfect to the less valuable from the valuable when you go from the god creating something from nothing and you start heading back to nothing do you think it's going to work out well it's not going to work out well at all uh so I read that this morning and, and, and wanted to share that one. And um, I, I think, you know, we have time that we're going to look at one other real quick here. Uh, and it's talking about um, this concept of how we see the world. Um, because sometimes we can see the world as, okay, the world is, um, it, the prince of this world, Scripture says, is Satan. But yet we know Jesus is victorious on the cross. And so the church is supposed to be triumph. And so, you know, which is it? And sometimes I think we kind of see the world as being divided. It's Christ and the devil. Uh, Bonhoeffer had a uh, real interesting take on it. He said this. He said, the world is not divided between Christ and the devil. It's not divided between Christ and the devil. He says, it is completely the world of Christ, whether it recognizes it or not. He said, as this reality in Christ is to be addressed, and thus a false reality that it imagines itself to have in itself or in the devil is to be destroyed. That was a little wordy, but let me say that again. Basically, whether we the world recognizes it or not, it belongs to Christ, not the devil. And, and, and so the that of the devil is to be destroyed is what he's saying. The dark, evil world may not be surrendered to the devil but must be claimed for the one who won it by the coming of flesh, by the death and the resurrection of Christ. So his take on the world is, no, this isn't uh, Satan's world anymore. Christ uh, was victorious on the cross, and it, it shouldn't be divided, this battle between Christ and the devil, it, that, that Christ and his church needs to destroy the evil of the world. Now, it's an interesting um, understanding. Um, I, I, that's ultimately what, you know, heaven's going to be. And I don't know that we can ever have heaven on this earth. But I, I would I would say this. I, I think far too often, um, especially in modern times, I, I, I think the church has surrendered a, a bunch of wars uh, to the devil and to, to evil. Um you know, a lot of talk is being made about what's going on in Ukraine, and it's gone on all winter where they've been fighting basically over the same town the whole winter. And uh, like 20, 30,000 Russians have died, and, and, and maybe a quarter as many Ukrainians uh, as the Russians are trying to take this town. And, and, and like the, the town's demolished. 
And so why are the Russians putting so much effort into it? And, and why are the Ukrainians putting so much effort into defending a pile of rubble? Um, I, what's interesting is maybe as Christians, we ought to fight for those those towns, those battles, just a little bit more than, than what we do. Uh, maybe in our schools, even though we don't have kids in our schools. If there's darkness there, if the devil's there, and we all know it is, we probably should be fighting against that. We shouldn't surrender our schools, but it's what we've done. It's what parents do. And if if, if the parents aren't going to fight for it, then, well, why should those of us who don't have kids in it anymore? Well, because we don't surrender to, to the devil and to evil. And, and, and so Christ needs to be victorious in the schools. Uh, we see it in the church. I, I, I think... Uh, we've surrendered a lot in the church. And like I said, the church has become like these social organizations. It's like the American Legion might not be drinking beer. I guess in some they do, but uh, it's, it's just, it's a hangout club, you know, for, for people to make business contacts and, and people to, you know, feel good about themselves or so forth. No, that, that's that the church is, is, you know, the body of Christ on this earth. The church is the bride of Christ. And, and we ought to fight for the church for what it is. You know, we, we have all these liberal church bodies that have surrendered on, on, on transgender, surrendered on gay, maybe even surrendered on abortion, surrendered on the Bible not being the word of God. And I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. And we still call these places Christian. It, it, it's time that we, we fight and win them back. Or we cast them out to hell where they belong. And, and I, I mean, that that's where they belong. But we don't let them keep calling themselves Christian when they're not Christian. So we should probably fight in our schools. We fight in our churches. We need to fight in our homes. And some of you have some battles that you need to fight with your children. You know, whether or not they're coming home at, at the right time for curfew or back it up when they're younger. You know, whether or not they're allowed to tell you no or they're allowed to ignore you or or if you put them in time out and they don't listen. These are battles you, you got to fight because you either fight them now or, or you fight them later or, or in the end they end up just kind of going their own way. And it, it, listen, there's a balance in which you do that. The Bible says you know, you don't break a, a bruised reed. Um, you got to show your kids love and you got to be there for them. But if you're if you're there for them emotionally and, you know, physically and you're meeting their needs, then hopefully they'll listen to you. And when they don't, you insist that they do. You don't let them tell you that I don't want to go to church. That's not their decision to, to make. But I think so oftentimes as parents, we're not involved in our kids' lives. We expect, you know, the school to be in our kids' lives, the church in our kids' lives, and our kids just don't respect us. Well, be home, be there for your kids, and 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 lead them. It's hard to lead someone if you're never around. Be around, be there, and be available, and, and do the hard work of parenting. And if they don't talk to you for a while, so be it. If you're not their best friend, so be it. But 
teach them in the way that they should go, the Bible says, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. So, you know, we battle against evil in the schools. We battle against evil in the church. We battle against evil in our homes. We have to battle against evil in, in our state, in, in, in our country. And, and listen, there, there's so much evil going on in our world today. There's so much like nothingness that that we just talked about and and i think we can surrender it like eh, i don't want to get involved in politics listen I, I could care less about politics but i do care about policy and when policy is anti-god and anti the bible and anti the values and wisdom and common sense and a million other things it, it becomes a battle and that's why i'm running my mouth half the time that's why i'm putting stuff out on the sign it's it, it, it's why I, I don't necessarily engage in some places where you know everyone's just able to throw around their their opinion um, i, I, I want to have a meaningful like debate N not necessarily over you know a computer or or even on facebook but you know as the church i i want to have a voice in the church and i want the church to have a voice in the community and i want you to have a voice at your workplace and, and i want you to have a voice at your home and i want you to have a voice at your kid's school and i want you to have a voice at your kid's sporting events i want i, I want you to take christ out to the world as as we um uh, align ourselves with god's word and god's will in this church you know you can Put things out in the newspaper or or just you know send out little tweets here and there but ultimately that that's not gonna win many people over I'm, I'm not saying that we can't the church can't make use of those things but what i'm saying is like like in the same way you'd be present in your kids life be present at your work be present at your kids sporting team be present at your your kids school be present you know in all the places that you're expected to be and then use your wisdom use your light use your convictions to say no I, i'm you're proposing nothingness and i refuse to march with you to non nothingness i refuse to allow you to march my family to nothingness i refuse to allow you to march my my community to nothingness on the sign right now i i say i have on it, it says uh live your faith courageously this is what we're talking about, living our faith courageously. And then lastly, you know, not only in our schools, our church, our home country, but ultimately in our world. And, and you know, that's where I think sometimes it's real easy to become isolationist. You know what? If it's not in Texas, who, who cares? God bless Texas and, and, and te Texas is, should succeed from the rest of the country. No, because you don't ever live in a bubble. So in Texas, you need to care what's going on in the country and guess what in our country we better care what's going on in this world and for the longest time america was known for like influencing the world and, and hopefully for the better in terms of democratic views and and so forth uh but but then we started like influencing the world in evil, evil ways because our culture became evil and we're the great you know uh, ones who 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 really spread evil across the world. So as we look at evil across the world, um, we, we need to look at ourselves, but but we also need to care about what evil's going on in, in Europe and Asia and Africa and all these other places, because in the end, the world is interconnected and you're fooling yourself if you don't think what happens in China doesn't affect what happens here in the United States. It does. Look at the kids with TikTok. It's all interconnected and we need to care and we need to stop just surrendering 
um, the fact that, well, there's going to be good and evil in the world. Evil's going to have have their thing, and, and I'm going to just live kind of in, in, in my good camp. You know what? That, that, that's not what God's called for us to do as Christians and as the church. Let your light so shine so that others might see it um, and, and give glory to God. Live your faith courageously. Um, thank you so much for uh, sharing with me in this uh, these couple quotes we looked at from uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer today. Like I said, we're going to do this till we run out of uh, good stuff to talk about. Uh, maybe another uh, two or three uh, weeks on it. Uh, but uh, he has, he said some good things, and so you always have to understand him couched in the historical context uh, as he was trying to uh, deal with Nazi Germany and uh, the extermination of the Jews. Uh, so some things might be more applicable to his day and age, but a lot of what he said is also applicable to ours. Uh, God bless you. I look forward to talking to you next week. Uh, have a great day.